The book of Yechezkel, Ezekiel, is a remarkable book, unlike anything else in the Bible. has a different feel to it, has a mystical feel to it. And we will be studying this book, trying to understand it, and to understand what is unique about the book of Yechezkel. In the beginning of the book, very beginning, we're told that in the 30th year, by Hebesh Roshim Shana, it's not clear the 30th year to what, very unclear, but in any event, Barvi'i b'chamisho l'chodesh, v'ani betoch ha'gola al nahar kvar, niftechu ha'shamayim, v'ahem ha'rot Elohim. B'chamisho l'chodesh, hi ha'shana ha'chamishit, l'galut ha'melech yoyachin. So Yechezkel will tell us about his astonishing vision, known in that tradition as the vision of the chariot, Masemer Kava. And this takes place, we're told, in the 30th year, the fifth day of the fourth month, when I was in the community of exiles by the Kavar Canal. The heavens opened and I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Yehoyachin, the word of the Lord came to Yechezkel, the son of Buzi. Now, the first thing we know about Yechezkel, that He's a prophet in exile. Unlike, let's say, his contemporary, the prophet Yirmiyahu, previous book of the Bible, Yirmiyahu is in the land of Israel. He prophesies in the land of Israel. It is true that Yirmiyahu's prophecies are also relevant to the exiles. And when I speak of the exiles, and the beginning of the book of Yechezkel makes this clear, the key event for the book of Yechezkel is not the destruction of the temple. We'll get to that later. The key event for Yechezkel is the exile of Yehoyachin, also known as Yechonia. And there are two great exiles of the Jews from Yehuda. There's the earlier exile from the northern kingdom, much earlier. But the exile of the Jews in Judea, as they are called, takes place essentially in two stages. The first stage, the earliest stage, is the exile of King Yehoyachin, together with the leading Jews of Israel, what are known as the Harash and the Masger, the craftsmen, the aristocracy, the leading people. They're exiled earlier, and they go to Bavel. For example, in the Megillat Esther, in the Scroll of Esther, it talks about Mordechai HaYehudi, who was exiled with the exile im Yechonya Melech Yehuda, Asher Hegod Nebuchadnezzar Melech Bavel. So Mordechai is one of those Jews who was exiled in that first exile where the leading Jews are exiled. And that event for the book of Yechezkel is the critical event. Everything is marked by the exile of Yehoyachin. Now, Yechezkel himself is a priest. He's a Kohen, as is Yirmiyahu. And it is fair to presume that Yechezkel may well have been exiled at that time himself. That would mark him as a leading person in the land of Israel. He's exiled with Yehoyachin, and he's in exile, prophet in exile, and he speaks largely to the people in exile, but not only to the people in exile. Yirmiyahu, his contemporary, is in the land, and his prophecies are primarily to the people in the land, in the land of Israel. And for him, I would say, the critical event is not the exile of Yehoyachin, but the critical event for Yirmiyahu 
is the destruction of the temple. We remember, for example, that two different chapters in the book of Yirmiyahu, chapter 7 and chapter 26, have Yirmiyahu walking to the temple. He gives prophecies in the temple, in the temple precincts. In those two chapters, he talks about Shigo, the earlier great temple of the Jewish people, the central place of worship, which was destroyed, and his point, which he makes both in chapter 7 and 26, this is recorded, the same event is recorded in two different places in Yirmiyahu, is that you may think the temple cannot be destroyed. It's been here such a long time. That's what they thought about Shiloh. Shiloh was destroyed, and the same way Shiloh was destroyed, the temple of Yerushalayim, the Mikdash, Solomon's temple, will also be destroyed. And in chapter 7, he says this, and in chapter 26, when he says this, they try to injure and kill, uh, even kill Yirmiyahu. So for Yirmiyahu, the critical central event is the destruction of the temple. In fact, he continues to prophesy after the destruction of the temple, because there are a few people still left in the land under the governance of Gedalia. And when Gedalia is assassinated, the people decide to go to Egypt against the will of Yirmiyahu, but he's taken to Egypt with them. But if you have to pick out one event, it's the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash, the destruction of the temple, and that's not true of our book. That's not true of Yechezkel. The critical moment in time for Yechezkel is the exile of Yehoiachin, that first great exile. We'll have an opportunity, hopefully, to think about why that is the case. What is the significance of that? Now, like Yirmiyahu, his contemporary, he is a priest. Yirmiyahu was not exiled to Babel in that first exile, which would suggest that perhaps Yirmiyahu, as he describes himself, when first called, why do you call me? I'm just a young man. I'm not that significant. I'm not that important. And God's response is, don't say that. I'm going to put my words in your mouth. You're the one I have chosen. Even before you were born, you were chosen. That's the story in the beginning of the book of Yirmiyahu, of the choosing of Yirmiyahu. It reminds us very much of the choosing of Moshe, of Moshe, Moses calling in the third and fourth chapters of the book of Exodus. Now, in the case of Yechezkel, in our book, there is also a calling. But the first thing we are confronted with in the book of Yechezkel is not God saying to Yechezkel, I call you as a prophet. But the first thing we are told of is this fantastic experience of Yechezkel, the Maseh Merkava, where he witnesses this amazing, uh, this amazing picture that he sees of the chariot, which is composed of angels. The chariot itself seems to be composed of angels, and those on the chariot, the chayot, are a different group of angels. And they travel in every which way, and they travel together. There's this fantastic description. And above the chariot, an expanse, and above the expanse, a throne. And the image, something that looks like a person on the throne. That's what Yechezko first sees. And it's interesting if we think about this calling. So in the case of Yirmiyahu, he is saying to God in the beginning, I think you have the wrong person. 
And that reminds us very much of what Moshe says. I'm not the right guy, says Moshe. Who am I, me Anochi, to speak to Pharaoh, to take them out of Egypt? I'm not even a good speaker. I don't speak well. Don't have the words. And get somebody else. And I have no signs. They won't believe me. So Moshe has many objections to his being called. Yirmiyot doesn't have that many objections. But Yirmiyot simply says, I'm a young person. I'm not ready for the task. Now, in the case of Yechezkel, we don't find that. We don't find that kind of a calling. But in the case of Yechezkel, it strikes me that there still is relevance to the story of Moshe, to the calling of Moses in the beginning of the book of Exodus. Because when Moses is first called by God, there also is an experience of God's presence. Not this fantastic chariot vision, not the Masemer Kava, but the burning bush. Also a miraculous occurrence, a little fire that's burning and not consumed, and Moshe steps forward to try to understand how is this possible. And God begins to speak to Moshe. That's the beginning of the book of Exodus. The little revelation, the small revelation. God is speaking once more. God hasn't spoken in many years. God begins to speak. That's the beginning of the book. And the end of the book of Exodus, of course, is the people leave Egypt, they travel, they stand at Chorev at Sinai, at Sinai, not the little snare, not the little bush, which is a snare with a little revelation, but Sinai of the great revelation. But the book doesn't end with the revelation, with the giving of the Torah. The book ends with a command to build God's temple. And the book ends, six chapters describing the building of this temple, a place, a sacred space in which God is at the center and the people are all around about the Mishkan, round about the sacred space. That's the ending of the book of Exodus. Now, the book of Yechezku, it strikes me, in this respect, is very much modeled on the book of Exodus. It begins with the revelation. It begins with the revelation which speaks of a God who travels from place to place. God's charity is moving from place to place. And it ends, the book of Ezekiel ends, Yechezko ends with nine chapters which describe a temple, a new temple, one that seems connected in some sense to the Mishkan of the book of Exodus and to the temple of Solomon, to the Mikdash, but one, and hopefully when we get to those nine difficult chapters, we'll discuss this, one that varies in many ways from those temples. It's different in many ways. It's a different kind of temple, but it's a temple. So the frame of the book of Yechezkel is actually the temple. And that's important. The frame of the book of Yechezkel is actually not a frame which relates directly to the human being, but the frame of the book of Yechezkel refers to God's presence, God's amazing presence in the beginning of the book and the fantastic temple that Yechezkel envisions later, the vision, the utopian vision of the temple at the center of all existence, a different kind of temple. That's the frame of the book of Yechezkel, the God who's present in the beginning 
and the God who hopefully will be very much present at the end of the book.